A few years ago, we had a new little puppy. His name was Darcy. He was a gorgeous little mini foxy. And when he was brand new, he would, he would fit in the palm of your hand. He was this tiny little, little puppy. Well, one day when he was still really tiny, we decided we'd take him down to Soldiers Beach for his first run on the beach. And we were all together. Our four kids were a bit younger than they are now. And um, as we got out of the car, Darcy, who was sitting on my lap, just jumped off my lap and landed on the concrete beside the car. He hit the concrete with a bang and suddenly our brand new little puppy with our four kids watching was motionless on the concrete. It was horrible. We all were sure that he was dead. He wasn't moving. He wasn't even breathing. Well, Murray, my husband, he, he picked him up very gently and he prayed for him. Now, we don't o- always pray for our pets, but on this occasion, I think we're all just in such a state of shock. Murray just said, oh, Lord, and he prayed for this little puppy. And our family are all witnesses to what happened next. Darcy took this great big (gasps) breath and he slowly started to move. And he opened his eyes and he was okay. Now, he may have been knocked out and he wasn't dead, that's possible. But our family that day and our four little kids had no doubt that God had performed a miracle on our little puppy. Now, the Bible records for us heaps of miracles that Jesus performed while he was on earth. And the miracles make for great stories, don't they? But they also often leave us with questions. Questions like, Does Jesus still perform miracles today, like he did when he was on earth? And questions like, why does it seem like sometimes God does perform a miracle and sometimes he doesn't? Why could Murray pray for a little puppy and it would seem like God would, for whatever reason, raise him from the dead And yet I know that Murray has prayed in hospitals, in homes, beside people's beds, as I have and as many of you have, and people have died. There's questions that the stories of Jesus' miracles leave us asking. But there's also much that we can learn from the stories of the miracles of Jesus, about the character of Jesus And also about the way that we're called to act when we're placed in a crisis situation or in a place of need. So what I want to do over the next couple of weeks is look at some of the miracles that Jesus performed whilst he was here on earth. And some of these stories will be very familiar to many of you. They're great stories. Their pure entertainment value is huge. But it's my prayer that as we look at some of the miracles of Jesus, that we'll move beyond that entertainment value 
and that we'll wrestle with some of the questions that miracles often raise in us and that through them we'll grow in our knowledge of Jesus as well. I also pray that as we hear of the amazing things that Jesus did, that our faith will be expanded and that we might believe enough to ask and expect God to do the impossible. So we're going to start today with one of the coolest miracles in the Bible. It's the miracle of the calming of the storm. And you'll find it in Mark chapter 4. We're reading from Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Just as an aside, we are blessed to have some amazing photographers in our church family. Look at that photo by Wes Hooper. Isn't that awesome? I sent him a message and said, you don't have a photo of a storm, do you? And he sent me back about 10 of the most unbelievable photos. So I don't think Wes is here, but thank you, Wes. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's go to the other side of the lake. Now let's just pause there for a minute. So this body of water, the lake that they talk about, it's the Sea of Galilee. Now the Sea of Galilee is about 680 feet below sea level. So get your head around that. And it's surrounded by mountains. So the top of the mountains are sea level and it's like there's this great valley in between. And in the bottom of it is the Sea of Galilee. Because of that, because of the terrain and the weather streams, it was known for being beautiful one minute, not perfect the next like Queensland, but boom, horrendous the next. The weather would just blow in very unexpectedly, and you'd be in this massive storm. The Sea of Galilee was known for this. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. This is the disciples. They took Jesus along just as he was in the boat. There were no other boats with them. A furious squall came up. And the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you even care that we're about to drown? Now, some of you would know that we have a little old sailing boat that we like to get out in every now and then. Now, Murray's done a bit of sailing over the years, but I wouldn't call myself a sailor. In fact, I'm not at all. And the first time we went out in this sailing boat, I have to admit I was a little bit anxious. Not that I didn't trust his sailing ability, but I just felt, well, I guess I didn't trust his sailing ability. <laughs> I can say that because he's not here. <laughs> Don't tell him. <laughs> I was anxious the first time we went in the boat. We picked a pretty average day, wasn't too windy, and so I decided I was going to be brave. We got out into the water and the sun was shining and everything was going okay and we got the sail up and the wind was in the sail. I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is quite pleasant. I could, I could actually enjoy this. And then we started scooting along a little bit faster than I felt 
comfortable with. And so I started to grip the side of the boat. But no, it was okay. I was still enjoying it. Then suddenly this wind hit and the boat took off and it started to lean to one side. Now, if you're a sailor, you love that. That's what you want to do. But I did not love that. I was freaking out. Murray was having a ball and at one point he's sailing and I'm holding on to the edge. At one point he looked up at me and there was tears pouring down my face. I was actually singing Amazing Grace, (laughs) praying, Lord, save us, we're going to die. Now, I cannot even imagine what the storm must have been like to get 12 men, most of whom were professional fishermen, to get to that same point as me. It didn't take much for me to get to, I'm going to die. But these guys were, they lived on the water. They lived on the Sea of Galilee. They were, sa- they were fishermen, sailors. But they got to that point. They were thinking, this could be it. This could be the end. I'm not going to get to go home to say goodbye to my mother. I'm not going to see my kids grow up. And... And now, some of you will be thinking at this point, hang on, these guys were disciples and they're in the boat with Jesus. How come they're so terrified? And how come there's a storm at all? If Jesus is in the boat, shouldn't it be calm and and smooth sailing? Any of you who have lived the Christian life for long enough you actually know that that's not the case. If you're walking with Jesus, if you're a Christian, it doesn't mean that life is going to be smooth sailing. Most of us know that already. The storms are going to come. If they haven't come already for you, they're coming. They're often only a phone call away. Our family learned that a few years ago. One day, Murray and Brendan were packing to go to a men's camp at Nunes. I was getting organised to take the Ignite kids to laser tag. The phone rang. Lauren, our daughter, answered the phone. And the person on the end of the phone told us that Murray's fit, healthy, 70-year-old dad had died whilst sitting at his computer paying the bills. Suddenly... It's just a matter of a phone call and we're in a storm. Maybe maybe life is smooth sailing for you at the moment. But the truth is, and maybe life has shown you this before, you know that storms are often not that far away. Maybe you're in a storm right now. Or maybe you're still pretty shattered from the last storm that you're in. That pretty much covers all of us, doesn't it? We're either coming out of a storm, we're in a storm, or there's a storm coming sometime. That might seem really negative and depressing. But that's actually the truth of life in a sinful world. And most of you know that. 
So let's look a little bit more closely at this story about a storm because I believe it, it has a lot to teach us about storms and about life in a storm. Verse 35 said, That day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go to the other side of the lake. Did you get that? Whose idea was it to get in the boat and go out on the lake? Jesus. God in the flesh, the Son of God, he knew the storm was coming, didn't he? We believe that he knows what's, what's coming. And he doesn't say, look, you don't realise it. It looks like a nice day, but there's going to be a storm. I reckon we should stay on the shore. No, he says, come on, guys, let's get in the boat. It was Jesus' idea. The disciples were in the storm not because they were out of the will of God. They were in the storm because they were in the will of God. They were following Jesus' direction. That's the first thing I think that we can learn. God knew before you were born what was going to happen to you during every season of your life. Your storm has not taken him by surprise. Now, if you're anything like me, your next thought is, hang on a second, but I thought God was a good God. I thought he loved me. Do you mean to say he's put me in this storm? So let's just, we could take the rest of 2014 dealing with that question, but let's just stop for a minute and start to deal with that question. Did God send the storm? Well, I believe that there are a few places that storms come from. Some storms are the result of bad decisions. You may have had experience with this. You make a stupid decision, you do something dumb, and you've got the consequences of that to deal with. Another possibility is that you might be experiencing a storm from the enemy, from Satan. I have no doubt that many storms are Satan's attempt to put us off our faith, to get us angry with God. Sometimes it's little things. I know when we had little kids, the time when the tantrums were the worst was Sunday mornings when we're trying to get out the door to church. I'm sure that Satan was trying to stop us. Thankfully, they now all get themselves ready, those of us who still live with us. So Satan has to try other things. But maybe your storm is just plain satanic attack. But then some storms have no reason at all. They are just the result of the fact that we live in a broken world. Our world has been ruined by sin and Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. It's a broken world. But whatever the reason for your storm, and sometimes there is no reason, the fact remains God knew that you were going to be in a storm. Now, there's all sorts of room for theological debate here as well. 
about God's part in bringing about the storm. And that's something that we all need to wrestle with individually. I personally like to think that God didn't cause the storm, but he did allow it. And he certainly will use it for good, for his purposes. That certainly has been my experience in the storm of life, that that God uses the storms that I go through for good. Jesus said, let's go to the other side, fully knowing that there would be a storm. Verse 36, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you even care that we're about to drown? So thought number one was that God knew that the storm was coming. Thought number two is that he is in the storm with you. Never forget that. Verse 38 says, Jesus was in the stern. And what was he doing? He was asleep. I like that. The disciples, they were freaking out. But Jesus wasn't. Think about this. Do you realize that God never calls an emergency meeting? Quick, get me the other members of the Trinity. Get me Jesus and the Holy Spirit in here. We didn't see this coming. We don't know what we're going to do. What, we're gonna, what are we going to do? How are we going to handle this storm that suddenly hit? God never panics. In the middle of the storm, Jesus was there and he wasn't panicking. If you're in a storm right now, know this. Even if you can't see him or hear him or even feel him, he's there. Jesus is there with you and he's in control. That's such a comforting thought, isn't it? There's a verse that that's often read at funerals from Psalm 23. It says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. He's with you. He's there with you in the storm. Hebrews 13.5 says it too. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. When you're in a storm, you're there because God allowed you to be there. He knew it would happen. You're there with his presence. He's with you. And finally, you're there for his purpose. Why? Because God is going to do something in you in that storm that maybe he couldn't do any other way. Think of the disciples. They were facing one of the greatest fears that there is, weren't they? The fear of death, 
we don't want to die. The disciples said, teacher, don't you even care if we're about to drown? We don't want to die. Think about this. Think about the journey that we now know was ahead of those guys. What happened? In a few moments, they were about to see the amazing power of Jesus. Over the next weeks, months, they would come to know the character of Jesus. They would walk closely with Jesus. They were going to experience his death. They were going to see him rise from the dead. And somehow through all of this, God changes these men who were scared of dying. Lord, we don't want to drown. We don't want to die. He changes them from those men to men who willingly laid down their lives for their faith. History tells us that at least 10 of the 12 disciples died as martyrs in the years after Jesus ascended to heaven. They became free of the fear of death. And maybe it started that day when Jesus performed that miracle. See, he didn't just perform a miracle calming the storm. He performed a miracle in, in the lives of those men as well. I don't know if you've ever had to face your own mortality. It's not a nice experience. But I can tell you that when you get to the point where you're able to say, okay, God, even if you take my life, I'll still love you. I'll still serve you. That, that gives incredible freedom. And I have to say that I would not have got to the point in my life where I was able to say that without going through a pretty significant storm. And many of you walked that journey with me. The storms are part of God's purpose for our lives to teach us things that he knows we wouldn't learn any other way. Maybe that's why James said in James chapter 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must complete its task so that it will make you mature and complete not lacking anything. Now comes the miracle. The disciples are losing it. They're scared. They think they're going to die. Verse 39 says, wouldn't you have loved to have been there? Jesus got up off the pillow. <laughs> he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. I don't know if he screamed it. I like to think he said it in a really soft voice, like you do when your kids are going off. You just go, quiet, be still. Quiet, be still, says Jesus. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. 
Then he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. (laughs) And they asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Jesus gets up. He speaks to the wind and to the waves and he says, Quiet, be still. When the storms come, there will be times when God will speak to the storm. He will heal you. He'll heal your marriage. He will miraculously provide for your finances. He'll answer your prayer. He'll say to your storm, be still. And it will. There'll be other times when the storm will continue to rage on. But in the midst of it, God will say to your heart, be still. Both will be miracles. In fact, enabling you to have peace when all hell is breaking loose in your life, maybe that's the more impressive miracle. Jesus says to the storm, peace, be still. And in this case, the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? I was reading a story this week about a guy named William Sangster. He was a pastor, an American pastor. And he used to tell this story about when he was a boy. He and some other friends went on a holiday, a a camp type thing, and they all run out of money. And so they all sent messages home to their fathers saying, Dad, we need more money. Now, William's dad, he, he deeply loved his son, but he agonised what was the best thing to do. Should I bail him out again? Or should I let him learn from this experience? And the father decided, lovingly, not to help his son, even though he had the power to do it. All of the other boys got money sent from their fathers, but William didn't. And all the other boys said, well, obviously your dad doesn't love you. He could help you, but he didn't. Your dad doesn't care about you. Your dad is not a good father. But William said to them, no, you don't understand. I know the heart and the character of my father. I know that he's a good father. I know that he loves me. I know that he has my best interest at heart. So I'm going to wait till I get home and then I'm going to get him to explain his reasons to me face to face. Hopefully not, but likely so. One day, if not right now, you are going to face a storm. And one miracle could get you out of it. God might do it. 
but he might not. If he doesn't, there'll be voices that'll say to you, God isn't a good God. If he could help you, he would. If he can and he could, but he doesn't, then how can he love you? Maybe he can't do anything. Maybe he's not good. Maybe he's not even there at all. And you'll say, no, you don't understand. I know the heart and the character of my father. He's good. And he has my best interests at heart. I believe in him. And if he doesn't do what I think he should do, or what I think he could do, I'll wait till I get home. And then my father will explain it to me. Let's bow our heads. As our heads are bowed, I know that there are people here this morning that are right in the midst of storms. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you this morning. Now, some of you I know about your storms, but some of you I don't. So if you're in a storm right now and you'd like prayer, can you just raise your hand? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else. All our heads are bowed. I just want you to raise your hand so that I can see you, so I can pray for you. Thanks. Lord, you know each person here. And you know the storms that they're facing. And right now, we would boldly ask you for miracles in the lives of these people. Lord, you know what their needs are. We pray, Lord, that you would heal the sick, that you'd comfort the mourning, that you'd provide for those that are in need, that you'd encourage those that are down, strengthen those that are weak, give hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We thank you, God, that nothing in our lives comes as a surprise to you. You knew that, that this storm was coming. You knew what was ahead, even before we were born. And that gives us great comfort to know that you're in control. Lord, help us to hand over our, our desire to control to you and to trust that you are in control. We thank you too that you are in the storm with each of us. With each person that raised their hand this morning, we thank you that you are there right in the midst of the storm with them 
and you're not panicking. Lord, I pray that each of them would be very aware of your presence because, God, our heads know that you're there, but sometimes the storm is just so distracting that we lose sight of the fact that you're there. Help each person to know that you are there guiding, comforting and carrying them when they need it. And Lord, we would pray that you would use the storms in our life to teach us and to grow us, grow our character. Help us to come through the storm closer to you, more like you. Finally, I pray, Lord, that as a church family, we would be people who care. Show us how we can walk alongside each other, especially when we're in the midst of storms, so that the loads that we carry are lightened because we share them with a brother or sister. Show us how to do that better, I pray. Bless your people here. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.